Greetings, people loved by God. Welcome to worship on this, the first Sunday in Advent. This is not just the first Sunday in Advent, though. This is the first Sunday in a, in a new church year. So, Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, welcome to church today. For our friends uh, who are worshiping online or on the radio, just a reminder that you can always go to our website, which is chapelofthecross.org, and there you will find the bulletin for this service under the Resources tab and options for giving your gifts and your offerings and your tithes to the Lord under the Give tab. And today, our radio broadcast is, is sponsored by Steve and Julie Seibert in celebration and in thanksgiving to God for their fifth wedding anniversary. Just a few announcements to share with you before we begin worship today. Uh, we welcome the Reverend Dan Lepley to our pulpit this morning. Pastor Lepley is standing in the back there, and he's going to be preaching, though, uh, today. And he, he uh, preached at the other services, of course, and led the Bible class uh, just last hour. Uh, Pastor Lepley is our English District Vice President in charge of the Lutheran Church Extension Fund in our district. So LCEF, if you've not heard of that before, they provide funding and resources for, for ministries throughout the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, including our district, the English District. Um, so if, if you don't have a familiar, familiarity with LCEF, please talk to Pastor Lepley after service today. Uh, he'd be happy to share, that, share about the ministry of LCEF. And we welcome Pastor Lepley to Chapel of the Cross and to our pulpit this morning. Since we are now in the season of Advent, we will be worshiping the Lord not just on the weekends during this season, but also on Wednesday nights. Uh, midweek Advent worship begins this Wednesday, November 30th. Church starts at 6.30 p.m. Uh, there will also be a light supper served prior to that, to that service. That supper starts at 5 p.m. There's no charge for that dinner, but we will be taking a free will offering in support of missions. We do need some volunteers, though, to help out uh, with, with our Advent dinners. So if you wouldn't mind helping, we'd appreciate that. The sign-up sheet for that is at the Welcome Center uh, in the Commons area. So please please join us for, for dinner, join us to volunteer, and certainly join us for worship on Wednesday nights during Advent. And to help you prepare a little more during the Advent season, there are available to you at the Welcome Center Advent devotionals. Please go ahead and pick one up for yourself and perhaps maybe pick one up for a friend. In fact, that'd be a, a very good way to share the Christmas story with somebody else. You, you may also use that as kind of an evangelism tool. You can use that as a way to invite somebody to worship with you uh, during the Christmas season, especially because all of our Christmas worship times are printed on the inside cover of that devotional. So please go ahead and pick, pick uh, some of those up at the Welcome Center and uh, use one for yourself and pass the rest out to other people. Next Saturday, December 3rd, starting at 9 in the morning, uh, we'll be gathering here in the sanctuary to put up our Christmas decorations, uh, both here and throughout the, the building. Your participation and your help with that would be appreciated. Uh, please sign up at the Welcome Center if you could help and join us this upcoming Saturday. And then one final reminder about our annual Congregational Voters Meeting. That will take place after the late service next Sunday, December 4th. So right around 12.30 p.m. is when that will start. Uh, please mar mark that down and plan to attend. All members of chapel are invited and encouraged to be there. That's when we, we uh, approve the budget for the next uh, ministry year. That's when we hear from all of our staff members and, and their areas of reporting. So we encourage you to come and attend that, that special voters meeting December 4th, 12.30 p.m. God's blessings as we worship together this morning. We stand and we share the peace of our Lord with one another, after which we will sing our entrance hymn, as that's printed in your bulletin. We share the peace with each other.
week, our beginning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are, by nature, sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, let the lighting of these Advent candles signify that you are the light that shines in all the darkness of our lives. As we wait, watch, hope, and pray, guide us all to reflect your light and let it shine. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord be with you. And also Let us pray. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come, that by your protection we may be rescued from the threatening perils of our sins and be saved by your mighty deliverance. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The Old Testament reading comes from the second chapter of Isaiah. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. 
In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Our psalm of the day is Psalm 122, and we speak that responsively. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There the thrones for judgment stand, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my brothers and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. The epistle reading comes from the 13th chapter of Romans. And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension or jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. This is the word of the Lord.
Please stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 24th chapter. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. Lord. Jesus said, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated as we sing our hymn.
grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord. Amen. This morning we're going to take a look at our gospel lesson, in particular the last verse of the gospel lesson, in particular two words of the last verse of our gospel lesson. Because yes, as a well-trained preacher, I can gladly fill 15 to 20 minutes of your time on two words. And those words are, be prepared. As it's there in your bulletin from the NIV, Jesus tells his disciples, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Be ready. I, for my part, prefer be prepared. And there's nothing wrong with the rendering here in the NIV. I prefer be prepared because it really, in my, in my mind, gets at the meat of the passage. And if we get into the, dig into the Greek and we parse these words, we find that we have before ourselves a middle passive imperative. What in the world is a middle passive imperative, you may ask? Well, that's why I came to be with you here today. Because these words have both a passive sense, but there also is a word of command here from Jesus that we as his disciples want to follow. Be prepared. It's more than a Boy Scout model. And as we think about what this means in a passive sense, I want to share with you what we were doing on Friday morning and afternoon at the Lepley household. Because we were preparing sausage this weekend as a family activity. You see, one of our favorite things to do as a family is to chase furry woodland creatures this time of year with high-powered rifles. And God blessed our pursuit as three of those beautiful creatures uh, were hanging in our garage, and we had to take care of them. We had to process them. We had to prepare them. And with the eight-point buck that God blessed me with, we decided we were going to make some sausage. And so we took some of the meat, made it in jerky, and then we had 40 pounds of burger, ground venison, to make into sausage. Who here has made sausage before? One. Two. Okay, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, I was afraid I was going to be by myself this time. Saturday night had one person, uh, for early service had three, so two. It's a pretty good showing. I think with a bunch of German Lutherans, we'd have a few more people with prepared sausage, but maybe not, but we'll still be friends. So we take the 40 pounds of venison, and we combined it with 20 pounds of ground pork. And we had one of those big Tupperware tubs. Many, many of you were dealing with these big Tupperware tubs full of Christmas decorations this weekend. Ours was emptied, it was well cleaned, and we had 60 pounds of meat in that thing to make sausages with. And you gotta mix it, you gotta mix it all together. You're up to your elbows mixing this pork and venison to make the sausage. But that's just the beginning. Then you've gotta add the cure, some water, and the seasonings. And then you gotta mix it again and again. You're up to your elbows. It's messy, it's greasy, it's, it's, it's hard work. You gotta make sure that that cure gets worked all the way through the meat. And that's just the beginning. Then you have to stuff 
the sausages. Has anyone here ever stuffed sausages before? That is not easy. You know, our, our youngest uh, is a freshman in high school, and he was really, really struggling to figure out this, this whole process. It took us, it was myself, my brother-in-law, our two, two boys, it took us probably the better part of an hour and a half to two hours just to stuff the 20 rolls of sausage. And then you got to smoke it. The right temperature for the right time, 120 for an hour, 140 for an hour, and then you up it to 185 to 200 for 10 to 12 hours to prepare the sausage. It was a lot of work. But as the sausage was prepared, what did the sausage have to do in this whole process? Absolutely nothing. Which is the passive sense of this idea of being prepared. And so that's where we begin as Christians to recognize that we are prepared, not by our own work or effort, but by the work of the one who is the lover and the caretaker of our souls. And on that note, I think that we have a lot in common with sausage. Think about it. We took two different types of meat, pork and venison, blended them together. Every single one of us is a genetic combination of two unique human beings that we had absolutely no choice in the matter of. And yet God took these two different human beings and used them to create us. And so just as the sausage is a mix of two different meats that had no choice whatsoever in it, so too we are the product of our parents. Equal parts to make one unique, different human being. But that was just the beginning, wasn't it? After we mixed the meat, then we had to add, right, the water, the cure, and the seasonings. And I think of that part of the sausage-making process of our growing up years. The cure that is administered to us, to our bodies and to our souls, is that, that good news of God's redeeming love in the gospel, is it not? God's word by the power of the Holy Spirit being spoken into our lives, preserving us body and soul, not only now but also forever, because that's the purpose of the cure. Don't want bacteria growing in your sausage. That would be a bad day. And so the cure preserves it, keeps it, just as God's love pronounced to us in his word preserves us body and soul in his kingdom. You got the cure, you've got the seasonings, right? Think about as you're growing up, all of the different things that just happen to you, right? You live in a community, you are part of a family, you go to school, you learn all of these things being poured into you and into your young, your young life, making you a big part of who you are as a human being. But it doesn't stop at confirmation or graduation, does it? That's where I think as, as adults, and particularly young adults, we begin to really bear the brunt of the heat and the stress of this life. To that I would compare the, the smoking and the cooking of the sausage as it laid there for 12 hours under heat 
so that the ingredients that made up the constituent parts of the sausage could be, could, could be combined and, and create the flavor and the taste and the texture that we were looking for. And it took particular heat, particular smoke, at particular points in the sausage's process of being smoked and cooked to make it just what we wanted it to be. You think about the stresses that you've had to experience. The time that you felt the heat was really turned up in your life. Many of those things, some of them I'm sure were probably caused by you, but a lot of them are done to you, are they not? Simply a matter of being who you are, where you are, when you are, part of life. And all the way through life, God is preparing us to make us exactly what he wants us to be. You know, there isn't just, it's not willy-nilly, it's not haphazard. From our perspective, a lot of things that happen in life seem random, do they not? But not with God. You know, for that sausage to turn out right, we had to make sure we cooked it long enough at just the right temperatures so it would be 156 degrees internal temperature. 156. 165, you're going to cook it too much. It's going to get dry. It's going to get crumbly. You don't want to give that to somebody for Christmas. Cook it to 145, the bacteria may survive. You don't want to give that away for Christmas. And so even though it may have seemed random to the, uh, to the, to the observer, there was a method, there was a madness, there was a science, there was an art that was taking place to make it exactly the way that we wanted it to be. So too it is with us as God prepares us. And when it comes to us being who we are, our unique characters, our, our unique attributes, our personality, where we find ourselves, what we find ourselves doing, many of that is, many of those things are done to us. And, and that is God really preparing us to use us to bless others. And that's where my sausage-making metaphor, you are a sausage, breaks down. Because you have something a sausage does not have. And that is a will. The ability to choose or decide for yourself. Now before someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they do not have free will. A human being who lives without knowledge of God's grace and forgiveness in Christ Jesus does not have a free will. The only will they have is a sinful will. The human nature that is always going to make them answer every question and make every decision in their own best interest. What's in it for me? How is this going to benefit me? That's the only nature a human being has apart from Christ Jesus. I know many people don't like to say that, and many people, maybe even this room, don't even believe that anymore. We're all good after all, right? But once God has brought you to faith in Christ Jesus and blessed you with his Holy Spirit, you have the ability to decide for yourself what you're going to do with what God has given you. And it is only in Christ Jesus that we learn the blessings 
and the benefits and the value of things like love, mercy, compassion, and forgiveness. Because during this Advent season, we celebrate his coming. His coming first to save is coming again to judge. But all that we have that God has given us that is going to preserve, that is going to endure, that is going to last, it comes to us because his dear son Jesus Christ sacrificed himself. And gave everything up for us and for our salvation. And by the power of his Holy Spirit working in us, we now can strive to live into that good and godly example that is a perfect human life. This is the way St. Paul describes it in the last verse of our epistle lesson from Romans chapter 13, verse 14. He says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You see, that's the paradox of Christian existence, is it not? We have the desire inside of us to live for God, to live for his glory, to live for his purposes, but we still carry that old sinful nature along with us, right? We inherit it from our parents. Blame them. It's okay. God tells us that's how it works anyways. What we do with that sinful nature is not their fault, though, okay? That's your fault. And so we live as sinful human beings with this, with this desire in our hearts to live for the Lord's purposes. This is how we say it in our confession and absolution. In the confession at the beginning of the service, you said it just today. It says, forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your way. You see, that is the desire that God has put in your heart. And St. Paul again says, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. You've already been clothed with the robe of Christ's righteousness. I want to encourage you to wear it well. Okay, another story from this weekend with my family. Friday was a busy day in the Lebley household because not only did we make untold Christmas crafts, cook, smoke, mix 60 pounds of venison sausage. We also decided, since everyone was home, that it'd be a good time to get our Christmas picture and our Christmas tree. So my wife got us all these, all of the boys, uh, these, these nice white Christmas sweaters. I'm not talking about the cheesy, tacky, gross kind you find at the dollar store right now, okay? These were actually really, really nice white sweaters. The girls had red and white, sparkly ones that matched us, and we decided to get our, our pictures before we got our Christmas tree, and I found this nice little Christmas tree farm again. As we talked about before, we like to do things our, you know, outdoors, and we like to kill it ourselves, so yeah, we're the chop it down yourself kind of people. Went to the Christmas tree farm and uh, got our pictures, and it's a good thing we got the pictures before we got the Christmas tree, because Christmas trees are messy. And I probably should have brought something to change into after our Christmas pictures if my wife wants me to be able to wear this nice new white sweater on Christmas Day. But did I do that? No, of course not. That'd be too easy. That'd make too much sense. And, uh, and we don't like just the, you know, the, 
the four-footer Christmas trees. We got nice high ceilings. We live in a nice little piece of property, got lots of windows, and we got the tallest ceilings. Not quite as tall as yours here in this place. But my family is convinced, now that we own our new house, that anything less than a 10-foot Christmas tree is simply unacceptable. So we got to haul an 11-foot Christmas tree out of the Christmas tree woods. So you got four able-bodied men or boys carrying this thing on our shoulders, um, through the muck, through the mud. I got, I got pine pitch stains all over my shoulder. I got dirt all over my stomach. I don't know how it just happened. I did not wear that Christmas sweater well. And I kind of forgot to put it in the wash. Sorry, honey, if you're watching right now, before I left to come and visit you all this weekend. But I'm hoping those stains wash away or else it's going to be the uh, paint, uh, the daughter's bedroom sweater, not the Christmas sweater anymore because I didn't wear it well. Same too with us, right? We can wear the gifts of God's grace and mercy and virtues well or not. And we make that choice every single day and every moment of every day. And the reality is right now the church and the unbelieving world has a really, really bad reputation. Why? Because a lot of Christians have really screwed up. I wear this clerical collar. In the airport, people see a priest, they think abuser anymore, right? Because people fail. Even our pastors and our priests fail. And because of that, the church has a little bit of a black eye right now. And you know what the only antidote for that is for us Christians to do better, to acknowledge our own failings, to be honest and true about the ways that we don't live into the Lord's will and the Lord's purposes, and to be people of grace and mercy and kindness and gentleness and self-control that the world needs to continue to spin on its axis because right now the world is spinning out of control. And instead of bringing calm and faith into the conversation, a lot of times Christians just bring kerosene and light the fires, and watch it burn. And that is not what God has called us to do as Christians. Be prepared. Don't use that sinful nature as an excuse to indulge yourself, St. Paul warns us. Clothe yourself with Christ's righteousness. Wear that robe of his righteousness well. That is the active part that we get to engage as, as Christians. Be prepared. It's not just a passive process. It's more than a command. It's more than a state of mind. It's what, God, it's what Christ Jesus calls us to. And that's what we aspire to as Christians. And so I pray for you that in this little bit of time together that you have been encouraged and that you are prepared by God's grace, by his mercy, and recognize every day this week as you think about these two little words, be prepared, that you have been prepared to shine God's glorious grace and light into the lives of those who are living in darkness apart from Christ Jesus. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus into life everlasting.
Amen. We stand as together we confess our common faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. That's printed for you on page 9 in your bulletin. Together we confess. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated as we gather our offering to the Lord.
we stand for prayer. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Once you came among us, Lord Jesus, and because of your coming, the darkness of our world of sin shone with the brightness of your saving glory. Help us to shine with your light today and open our hearts to your grace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. From your coming as Savior, we learn to trust in your mercy and to be prepared and to welcome you when you come as Lord of all. Help us remain faithful to what you have done to save us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Through your coming in word and sacrament, we continue to receive grace upon grace. Build us up in faith that we may endure to your coming and may be found faithful for all that you have called us to be and to do. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our English district and our synod. Heavenly Father, empower your people to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Bless our district and synod and its ministries, as well as the endeavor to establish new congregations that share the gospel with those who do not yet know the Savior. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who govern us in this and every place, that they may be faithful stewards of your grace and do what is right in your sight. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for all who are ill and in need of your healing. We remember this day the hospitalized, the homebound, the infirm, the hurting, and those who are recovering from recent surgery. Heavenly Father, give them grace and grant them healing in accordance with your good and gracious will. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious Lord, we rejoice with those who celebrate special gifts of your grace, especially Steve and Julie Seibert as they celebrate their fifth wedding anniversary, and John and Terry's virgins as they celebrate their 30th wedding anniversary. We ask that you would continue to bless and to guide them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give, give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God. Trusting in your promises, we bless you for your abiding presence in your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord who has come to this earth and has taken upon himself the sins of the world. By his sacrificial death and his glorious rising from the grave, he has opened to us the very gates of heaven. With all the company around the throne of the Lamb in his kingdom, we join the unending hymn of praise, evermore praising you and singing.
Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us ever to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
We stand. Now may this eating and drinking keep and preserve you in the true faith until life everlasting. Go in the peace and in the joy of our Savior. Amen. We pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, your great love for us is beyond comprehension. We thank you for granting us peace, pardon, and comfort at your blessed table of grace. Strengthen us through what we have here received and keep us steadfast throughout our pilgrimage on earth, bringing us at last to your eternal home in heaven. This we ask through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. We remain standing as we sing our closing hymn together, The King Shall Come When Morning Dawns.